Hello, hello. My name is Mika Marsley, and you are listening to Talking Aging on Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM or coopradio.org. And this is being recorded on the unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people. Thank you so much for joining. Right before we get into things, I just want to remind everybody who's listening to Co-op Radio that we are currently having our um, fundraising drive. It's the fall drive. So if you are privileged enough to be able to donate to support Community Radio, we appreciate it greatly. With um, Community Radio would not be able to happen without the generous donations of our listeners and supporters. So please go to coopradio.org and donate. You can do this at any time of the year. You can become a monthly donor, which is the most helpful, but you can also make a one-time donation. And like I said, you can do it any time of the year, but now is the perfect time to do it and contribute to our fall fundraiser. We are greatly appreciative of that. So without further ado, I will just get right into things and I will let my guest introduce herself. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Please begin. Tell me a bit about yourself. Mika, so thank you so much for inviting me on to speak today. I, I really appreciate the work that you do and the conversations that you're starting. They're so needed. So thank you. I am an end-of-life doula, a social worker, and an educator. I am the co-founder and director of the End-of-Life Doula Association of Canada, and I run a private practice, live purposely end-of-life care planning out of Chilliwack, BC. Amazing. So you wear a couple of hats, it sounds like. Yes, yes, like most of us. Absolutely. So I'd love to start off just to describe what is an end-of-life doula, like put really simply. An end-of-life doula is a professional educated with the knowledge of the dying, death, and grief experience. Doulas provide personalized support, education, and resources to allow people to make informed decisions and access support and resources to be able to prepare and plan ahead for critical illness or end of life. And how did you get involved um, as an as an end of life doula? I connected with a very good friend of mine now, Jennifer Melmis, and her background is in nursing and sociology. And with my background in social work, I reached out to her through an educational event, and together we just we saw the gaps that community members were facing while they were navigating aging and end of life within our current healthcare structure. So we said, hey, we've got to make a difference. We've got to take action here. So that really, that set us, set our path towards creating the association. All right. So um, I'd love to allow you the opportunity to introduce and explain the work of an end of life doula and just kind of um, let me know what's, what makes that work important and how that helps people. Absolutely. So an end-of-life doula is a professional educated with the knowledge of the dying, death, and grief experience. And doulas provide personalized support, education, and resources so people are able to make informed decisions and access support and resources and prepare and plan ahead for critical illness and end-of-life. Doulas advocate and educate empowering people to be involved in their healthcare decisions and end-of-life planning while they're healthy. And what makes end-of-life doulas important is that currently gaps exist in our healthcare system and people are unable to receive access to adequate support through aging and end-of-life. And this forces families to learn on the go 
and miss opportunities for proactive conversations and planning so that care received at the end of life is appropriate and aligned with the person's wishes. And there are no other roles that fill the gaps between medical treatment and death. Research shows that people feel unprepared. It's important that people are educated in their choices to increase the quality of their life. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think like the intention and the planning part of it is what's really key because not that many people know how to navigate the healthcare system. And at a time when you're already stressed, I bet that's, it kind of just adds to how difficult it can be. Absolutely. So how does your organization, um, the End of Life Doula Association of Canada, um, connect with the community and how do you reach people who could learn and use your services? So for our board of directors and some specific members, we attend conferences to increase visibility and understanding of the end-of-life doula role. Uh, We also participate in advanced care planning initiatives and support larger national healthcare organizations. Uh, We really enjoy hosting death cafes and encourage our members to do the same. And that looks like creating spaces in local communities for people to come together and talk about death without an agenda in a safe and supportive environment. We also have created this professional community of end of life doulas who support one another and collaborate to be able to create community workshops, educational events, information webinars, which raises awareness and education in communities across Canada on end of life support, planning and resources. Like you said, it's really difficult to navigate the healthcare system and really know what you have to have in order. So creating these opportunities for people to come together is really important. And most people learn about the association really through word of mouth and the association webpage. We have more end of life doula, death doula related content in the news and online articles. And that often sparks that interest in that quick Google search to find our website People find us on social media quite often and links to our events and other websites and initiatives that we're taking. And what is really special within the work of the association is that we host an end-of-life doula directory to be able to refer community members to doulas who have met the educational requirements and practice standards within the association and to be able to find a doula that is right for their goals. So uh, we really do value creating that opportunity to connect qualified end-of-life doulas and our community together. That's great because it's almost like a matchmaking service, I would imagine, like, you know, different personalities, stuff like that. Absolutely. I I compare it to counseling, right? You need to have that good fit, and people, I, I very much value having choice. Yep. Um, Can you just explain a bit more about what a death cafe is, like what that would look like? Absolutely. So death cafes have been going internationally for years now. They were founded by John Underwood. And um, really what that looks like, the death cafe organization offers guidelines to be able to say, hey, if you're going to use our name, we would like you to follow these guidelines. And really that's just focusing about creating that space that doesn't have an agenda. You're not going there to promote a certain program or your business, etc. It's really just connecting to the humanness of all of us and being able to say, hey, 
you're going to feel welcome to be able to talk about death. And we often don't feel comfortable and supported to talk about death. So to be able to know that you're going to show up at a certain cafe or a community park at this time, and you know that everybody who's going to show up, um, that we're going to be able to comfortably talk about death. That's a, it's a pretty special um, space that's created. And it's, it's, it's very much needed as, as so many people participate and, and you don't expect it, but then you, you get to see, Hey, um, the space is so needed. Totally. And I think welcoming is like, it sounds very welcoming and comfortable is probably the key term with that because talking about death is uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people want to talk about death, but they maybe don't want to bring it up or they don't want to make people around them uncomfortable. So it's kind of like just waiting for somebody else to start the conversation maybe. Absolutely. Yes. And I, um, so it's kind of an outdated thing to say like good death, bad death. And I don't want to like, you know, make, make a difference between the two, but people do want to have an intention maybe, or they want to have like a purpose and planning. So what would you say is the importance and like, how does it make a difference when you do create an end of life plan or work with an end of life doula? It's taking control over what you can for such an unpredictable part of life. It's really taking that control, the little control that you have over how you want your end of life experience to look like and how your family will be prepared and supported. And that can only be done if we have these conversations in advance. So then you're able to equip yourself to navigate the future with confidence, making informed decisions. And and it's so helpful for the family because it reduces their potential stress and guilt and family conflict in making decisions. And they're able to really honor you and how you you want your future healthcare to look like. Totally. And I think what's neglected sometimes is death is not just a singular event. It's very much a process, right? It's um, like, yeah, like it, and it would, like you were saying, it affects the loved ones and the family as well. Of course. Exactly. So there's a lot of family dynamics going on and, and every, and often each family member will feel they know what decisions to make for their loved one. And then you've got these differing point of views and that can actually overshadow what the person truly needs and wants. So um, it's coming in with the elephant in the room and knowing, Hey, I've got a meeting, you know, Sarah's coming in for our family session today and no one can deny that what we're going to be talking about right so that that can be really helpful relieving that that primary person in the family maybe who takes on that responsibility of initiating the conversations organizing coordinating care etc um really end of life doulas can relieve a lot of that primary caregiver burnout and besides like a death cafe how do you recommend people to start end up the end of life planning conversation or talk to their loved ones or even bring up the idea of having an end of life doula enter the situation? Oh, this is my favorite. So really great question. A lot of people struggle with this for the fear of offending their loved one. Mm. I suggest that you lean in with reflecting on your own mortality and your own end of life wishes and planning so that no one feels singled out or backed into a corner. 
death doesn't discriminate, nor should we. So we shouldn't be focusing these conversations only towards older family members and adults, planning for future cares for all adults. And I really like to say that you can be a leader in your family by talking about what quality of life means to you, what's important, what your family needs to know. And with starting these conversations, start with sharing what's what it what it is for you and sharing with your family and a practical approach can be highlighting that you will likely have a role and a responsibility to play in their future care and because you love and care about them so much you'd like to talk about what you need to know in order to be prepared and equipped so it's really never too early to have these conversations but we all know that it can be too late Absolutely. I think that's very well said. And I love how you brought up quality of life because Mm -hmm. when planning your, you know, your death, you're also planning, like you're basically planning how you want to live. Like it really is your quality of life that you're reflecting on. Absolutely. You, you live until you take your last breath. Cicely Saunders, um, you matter until, um, until the moment that you die. So it's, it's very critical. Absolutely. So I also wanted to touch on the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're still kind of experiencing, I guess. I don't know when we won't be, but has the pandemic over the past few years, has it changed how we die or how we think about death? Do you think? Yes, we are seeing people wanting to die at home due to the fear of being restricted to see their family and loved ones. With that, there's a lot of learning on the go as there are many aspects to get in order in order to make dying at home possible. We have healthy people dying alone in hospitals, in emergency units, ICUs, and doctors and nurses are so stretched thin and they don't necessarily have the time and capacity and tools to care for themselves and their patients at the end of life. And with all of this, families are experiencing a lot of complicated grief and a lack of closure because often they're unable to say their goodbyes. And we're utilizing technology to offer video communication and trying the best to connect families, but we all know it's not the same. And another example is hospice volunteers. We, they are so valuable for our community and they've been significantly restricted throughout this pandemic. So that's really impacted the support that can be offered for people and their families at end of life. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, I think it's just one of those like byproducts of of the pandemic that nobody really foresaw, right? Like we didn't, no one really thought about that. Yes, and and for so long, we've been able to disassociate ourselves from death. Oh, that's not me. Oh, that's someone older. Oh, that's somebody who's not as healthy. And we, we can no longer disassociate ourselves. This is the most impactful ongoing global experience that forces us to reflect on our own mortality and the lack of control that we have and how critical illness or death isn't reserved for the elderly. Mm -hmm. Um, Care providers are shifting their services to online platforms and people are becoming more open to planning, uh, whether that's because they're forced to, their their loved one has become critically ill and they said, oh my goodness, I got to get all this end of life planning in order. What does that even look like? Or because they're, they're motivated because of an impact of someone else's illness or death. So that is a positive to be able to say, hey, you know, 
it's such difficult work, but it's so worth it. Absolutely. So out of your many hats, you were also the founder and owner of Live Purposefully, which is end-of-life care planning. Did you want to touch on that and kind of describe your business? Yes, thank you. I um, I founded it Live Purposefully end-of-life care planning really just to be able to bridge those gaps that we talked about. You know, families don't need to learn on the go. We, we have specialized knowledge within the end-of-life and grief experience. So, it was born out of my personal experience of saying, hey, you know, my grandma's death could have been better. And we had a lot of family involvement and privilege, and it still could have gone better. So that motivated me to bridge those gaps in planning services and support so that families could really just spend their time focusing on being together. So the motivation is is personal. You come from firsthand experience. Yes, so uh, it is, it's the most meaningful work and lots of people say, oh my goodness, that's so saddening and such difficult work that you do. And I say, well, actually <laughs> the people who are working with me, they're far, they're, they're in such a greater place than other people who might not have access to services and support. So really the outcomes of the people that I work with are, are, are quite positive. So it, it's, a, it's a very privileged role to play in people's lives. Absolutely. And I think, um, like, honestly, Sarah, the people who work for you are very lucky. You know, it's, it's a gift that you're giving them and their families. Thank you. I, we have so much richness and sacredness and, and meaning within end of life. But if we don't lean into it and are supported at, adequately, we really have a lot of missed opportunities. And that's really what I'm, a lot of my work is just saying, hey, we can do better. So let's lean in. Absolutely. Well, we can leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me today and explaining this like very interesting career. I love it. I think, like I mentioned, people are very lucky to have you, you know, guiding them through this part of life which everybody goes through this part of life so it's not something that's like an us and them it's it's everyone right exactly and and we can just do better so so why not right Mm -hmm. Mika thank you so much for having me on and it was just such a pleasure to be able to connect with you and be be a part of these really needed conversations I I really appreciate you doing this work Thank you so much. And sorry, we'll end off by letting people know how can they reach you or, um, you know, learn more about your organization and your business. Thank you. Honestly, our websites are quite informative. So the End of Life Doula Association of Canada, we've got a lot of resources on there. And like I said, the doula directory, most of your questions should be answered on the association website. And then also, for my business, live purposely, end of life care planning. Also a number of resources and frequently asked questions and just being able to give you that, that space to reflect on maybe some, some needs that are coming up for you and how we could best serve you. So um, we're, always, we're always open to connecting to new people and seeing how we can best be of service to them. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Mika. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talking Aging on Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM or coopradio.org. And thank you to my guest, Sarah Muxlow, social work, worker, educator, end-of-life doula, founder and owner of Live Purposefully. Um, that was an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I just want to remind everyone who's listening, once again, I know I mentioned at the top, but we are having our fall fundraiser right now. So the ways that you can donate is you can go, like I said, to coopradio.org, click the donate button. It's on the top right corner. And then you can donate directly through that. But you can also call the station 604-684-8494. The extension is 230. And whoever is in at the time will take your membership pledge. Or you can email community at coopradio.org and you can book a tour of the station or... um, get them to assist you in setting you up to donate. Thank you so much once again, and we will be back for the next episode.